Welcome back, everybody. Today is going to be a really fun episode. We've got a couple surprises for you. So, Kiana, she actually is taking the GRE tomorrow morning in a faraway city. Soft, slow clap for Kiana. Beautiful! We're hoping she does great so that she can get into grad school. But because she's gone, we have a special guest who will be co-hosting with me today. It is the one, the only, the best audio technician, Brayden. That was the best introduction ever. Thank oh, you. Yeah, Thank I, you, Brayden. I'm so glad. I'm so and excited. Thanks for having me back on. I guess I didn't butcher it the first time. Oh, exactly. You were the you best. <laughs> well, well, there's Tanner just in the corner. This is Tanner. He is awesome. And he's going to be our guest today. I am. Are you excited? Um, kind of. I'm mostly nervous, but I'm a little bit excited, I must say. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. We'll take it. So just a little intro on how I know Tanner. Tanner in junior high was that kid that did backflips at every single dance. <laughs> yep. Did you, didn't you like knee yourself in the head? Yeah, I need myself <laughs> in the head in eighth grade and I had a huge black eye and um, I thought it was really cool. I wish I could always That's have a black sick. eye. I was like... Anything to draw attention to myself, you know. So, yeah, that was me. It was the best. Backflipper. The backflip. He the does back. the best. Can you still do a backflip? I can. Once a backflipper, always a backflipper. <laughs> can you show our listeners a backflip? Like with my voice? Yeah. Um, next time I'm on the show, I'll try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So the reason I wanted to bring Tanner on is because he has a really big heart and he's also super talented and it's just awesome and I've always admired him. So Tanner, will you just introduce yourself a little bit, just let everyone know what you're doing, what, you're, what you like to do? Yeah, um, my name is Tanner, Tanner Clegg, and sheesh, it's kind of weird when you get asked these questions and you just forget everything about yourself but um <laughs> let's see I am currently at the University of Utah studying anthropology um, among other things um, I was formerly at UVU with with these fine people um, but then because I was so smart I just couldn't stay oh, at UVU anymore oh, and I had to gosh. had to get out you know so you suck um no, so I, <laughs> well, let me think, so I, besides backflipping, there's actually other things that are somewhat interesting about me, um, I really like climbing, it's probably like one of my main things that I, that I do right now, um, you know, I just, I, I really love kind of the setting of climbing and always being able to kind of explore the world through climbing. I think it's a very cool catalyst to kind of see a lot of beautiful things in the world. Um, I also really like writing. Um, it's, it's kind of one thing that I've always found that's helped me think through things and express myself and 
yeah, it's always just kind of been a mechanism that I can use to, to, I don't know, just feel better and cope with things and, and, and understand the world. I also like taking photos of things. I love skiing. And kind of covertly, I actually really love freestyle rapping. What? Uh, you won't get a sample on this show, but you know I, we're getting I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, you know, if anybody's out there and they want to battle me, you know, I'm... You know we're getting a sample at the end of this, right? <laughs> we'll like, see. You don't just say that and then not do it. Only if you guys can drop some, some hot beats. Oh, we've got some oh, hot beats got you covered. Bring. Breezy? Yo, Little breezy. Yo, breezy. They call yo. me Yo Breezy Yo for a reason. Ooh, for a reezy yo. So keep listening, because at the end there's going to be a little... Yeah, if you get through all this boring stuff, maybe <laughs> there will be a... No, I'm just kidding. It's like the ring at the bottom of the uh, cereal box. Oh, yeah. Yes. But you don't want to choke on it, so don't like... Don't okay. look too... Well, oh be, just be careful, you know what I'm saying? That will be your topic to rap about okay. at the end. All right. Start thinking about it. Oh my gosh. So Tanner. <laughs> Even more pressure. <laughs> Even more pressure. So Tanner, what did you do this summer? So this summer, I, um, I spent my time mostly teaching English and just kind of all around helping to establish a school in a very small country in West Africa called Guinea-Bissau. Also known as... Also the, known as... The butthole of Africa. Um, yes, because we're not allowed to say swear words on this podcast. According to Donald Trump, that's, yes, that's what it is. Yes. So Tanner, like he said, he likes to write. Yes. He's an amazing writer. And I just took a little sample from his blog because it's amazing. And Tanner, would you mind reading that for us? Do a little studio? Yeah. Movie? Okay, and this is kind of an excerpt from my first couple of days in, in Bissau this summer. So, after complaining about all of my problems, I say, I realized that my problems were to be traced to my optic nerves. What I was seeing all, ar all around me was what I was accustomed to seeing as I scrolled through my Instagram feed, compulsively double-tapping National Geographic images. This was okay, and this is what I came for, right? This was to be expected. The problem had to do with the things which I could not see. I couldn't see any big buildings, no sophisticated buildings in sight, nowhere for me to run as a last resort if my mind recalcitrantly decided that it could not handle my surroundings. No visible reprieve. I could not see any manicured lawns, dirt occupied its space. Running water isn't a constant, electricity isn't a constant. It pained me to discover that my comfort demanded more than basic needs. So that really impacted me when I read that the first time and the second time. And it made me reflect on my own life, the things that maybe I take for granted, and honestly what makes me comfortable. And so today we want to talk about what our priorities are now in our lives and what we can do to make it so that they're more in line with the goals that we have with the people that we want to be and also really what is happiness so tanner what was kind of the biggest takeaway from your experience in in africa 
Um, well, I would kind of say as it's kind of in, encapsulated in that, um, that, that text that I just read is that, I, I mean, not to be selfish, but I, I kind of learned a lot about myself. Um, it was almost, I don't know, it was very disheartening to kind of feel this weird sort of existential dread start to build up, like, from the moment that I, that I stepped foot in this, in this, in this country. And it just really showed me how, as humans, like, we're really so much more than just our biology. There's this whole cultural element that's kind of enveloped within us that, that, that makes, you know, living in a third world country for, for some of us just, just seem, seem so difficult. And, um, and really the, the kind of most groundbreaking thing that I took away from my summer was that it's not just me being a foreign outsider going to this country that is feeling kind of the the um, the averse effects of, of poverty. If in, if anything, me as as a rich um, socioeconomically elevated um, outsider coming to a country, I was able to kind of shield myself from the effects of poverty because I knew that look, it's only one summer. You know, the, the, you could go back. I, I can go back. I can buy it. I can buy a plane ticket. But like the people there, like this is their life. And I think we commonly justify, you know, global poverty by saying like, well, they like grew up in it. They're, they're used to it. They, it's all that they know. So like, it's not that bad for them. But I, what I kind of discovered there is that, you know, I'm way more similar to them than I would have ever realized and there really is no us and them we're all just people and our genetics are hauntingly similar so like they can feel the effects of of poverty just as poignantly as i can so that's those are kind of some of the 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 main things that i that i learned i think so what what are some specific similarities that you saw that that caught your attention right that's a good question um well, obviously, there was a very kind of robust language barrier um, in Guinea-Bissau. It's a, it's a it's a previously colonized country, so the 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 Portuguese colonized it and they gained independence in nineteen seventy six. I want to say seventy three or seventy six, and um, so, anyways, as a result of that, they they have this kind of very eccentric language that's like half indigenous, half Portuguese, and they just call it Creole. And so, obviously, I couldn't speak it. It's such, like, a specific dialect to that portion of the, the world. And so, like, I couldn't communicate verbally, per se, with these people, but it was, it was really remarkable that I could still communicate with them without actually, without actually talking and, and using language. I mean, I was using language, but I wasn't using what anthropologists call phonocentric language, like using my, my mouth. And, and it was just really cool that we could feel the same emotions and we could arrive at mutual understandings without me actually knowing much of their language. So, so that was one thing that was very similar is like, I could still communicate with these people. I could still feel the feelings that they're feeling um, without speaking their language. And I thought that was kind of an insightful thing. I love that. You're able to, do you feel like you grew to love the people, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
and and not in like this weird like sort of westernized fetishizing rural life in Africa sort of way where we kind of like look at people as exotic but but like I, I learned to to love them like I would love like any old friend you know what I mean just like I don't know just just not love them because they're they're any different than me but love them because because of our our similarities something that you said in one of your blogs probably gonna butcher this but you said something to the extent of love's roots cannot grow um, without reality and I think that's super, I've never thought of that before. But like you said, like being there, being with these people, your love for them absolutely grows and it's real. It's not yeah. just yeah. looking on another, it's, it's real, you feel it. Yeah, and a little bit of context to that is, I mean, I, I don't pretend like I know everything about like love or like, <laughs> like there's a reason why for centuries people have been quibbling about philosophy and not mathematics, you know, it's because there's, <laughs> there's layers of subjectivity that are enveloped in, in any sort of philosophical pursuit. But I would say that like in Bissau and, and, and referencing this, this idea of reality, there's not like a very distinctly drawn private sector and, and public sector or domestic sphere and, and public sphere, but rather like all of like social life happens like on people's front porches, like on their front porches that are made out of mud. And so like, you can't really just like hide all of your problems, you know? Like if you're like beating your kids or like if you're having problems with your spouse, like everybody in the village <laughs> knows that you are. <laughs> and so like, it's, it was weird, it was weird to, <laughs> Yeah, no, for real. It was weird to contrast that with, like, coming back home to the West where we just kind of, like, wallow in, in, in our problems and in self-pity. And not to say, like, that these are superficial problems. Like, they're absolutely... I mean, there's reason why, why our mental um, health is kind of so scary and, and, and why there's so many mental problems in, in the United States. You know, these are very real things. But it's just, it's just interesting how they like really are just out in the open with all their problems and so that's why they're 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 very real and they don't really have an Instagram to like portray their their ideal of of, of self but rather they just they they are just themselves in in everything that they do and that was kind of revelatory since being back from Africa what changes have you made in your life um, after after realizing these these insights that you've talked about and and then on top of that how how do you go about continuing to make those changes when you're not in there. the actual situation yeah. you know now it's now it's distant I would assume you don't have very much if any communication with with those friendships that you made right that's a good question um, yeah, that's, 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 that's the million dollar question, you know, what now? And I mean, <laughs> I, I honestly, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm definitely not like a, kind of like an arbiter of, of, of what should be right and what should be wrong. And, and I definitely don't consider myself like, like a better person than, than anybody else. Um, but I would I would say that like more than anything I I guess I've just allowed myself to be more aware, with, 
kind of what's going on in the world and, and how I am connected to it. Um, like, I, I mean, I would, I'd probably be the first one to tell you that I'm, st I'm still living a life that's probably not, I don't know, at least not in accordance with all the things that I learned while I, while I was there. Um, but I would say that, that now that we do live in a world where basically news can be communicated at these electric fast, fast speeds, and now that we are able to kind of see all of the, the various crises that are occurring around the world and, and all the kind of humanitarian crises um, that are going on, that basically this, this concept of, of geography as providing a, a buffer through distance from, from the people around the world and, and thus mitigating our responsibility to help, that barrier has kind of fallen over. And one of my favorite um, writers who, who, who writes on this subject, his name is Peter Singer, he has a website that's called um, The Life You Can Save. It's thelifeyoucansave.org. And basically his central thesis is that, you know, that now that we live in a world where we can know what's going on, now that we live in a globalized economy, there's really no excuse that should keep us from, from helping people around the world. And so kind of what his, his nonprofit does is um, they, have, they have like conducted these analyses to determine which charities you can donate to that most effectively use your money to save as many lives as possible. And the last time I checked, I think like the, the best way to make an impact in the world and, and to, to actually save lives is literally to just buy uh, mosquito nets for, mm. for people living in, in Africa. And there's, there's charities that will take that money and buy mosquito nets and, and just give them to people. And so like, I don't know, I guess from like a, a moral perspective, which I mean, I, I definitely don't consider myself like um, like worthy of speaking of, I don't know. There, there are ways to, to kind of make a difference in the world. But I think, I think that just the, the most important thing is just to be aware that like, there's other people that, that live in the world and just be aware that like, and, and I mean, not only just so you can like kind of appreciate all the things that you have and feel great about yourself, but just like, so you can, you can know that there's people that, that have that share the precise biology that you have that just through the arbitrariness of where they were born don't have access to this the same reservoir of of economy and and of social status that 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 you have i don't know if that that's answers true. your question yeah. no 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 that that definitely does Something that's really interesting to me is we've recorded, I don't know how many podcasts so far, and I feel like the same idea comes into everyone, and we've talked about so many different topics, but just the idea of, like, authenticity and, like, reaching out and making sure other people are aware, like, that you're aware of other people, I, for some reason, every time we record, that comes up, and it makes me think, wow, like, with a little help from my friends, what an inspired title for, for this podcast. But seriously, like, I think a big problem with people that are especially our age right now is just not being aware of what's going on around them. And as what, not only on a global stage, but also 
locally mm. and in your own yeah, sphere it's, of people. it's important. Yeah. I, it's just as important. And you can do so much in just that sphere of even just the people you know. Yeah. Right? No, absolutely. And for me, the one of the things I'm trying to do right now, which seems to be a fighting struggle always, is I'm trying to match the priorities that I have in my life with the person I want to become. Like, kind of like these priorities are leading me to be the person, of this idea that I have in my mind of who I want to become. But as well as I want my priorities to be relationship-based. Like, when I think of my priorities, I want them to be people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like in this stage of life, oftentimes we feel selfish because, I don't know, like I'm going to school, I'm working just to provide for myself. Like, I feel like everything that I do is selfish, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, we're in a stage of life where the decisions that we make now affect our future. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, yeah, I think there is that natural tendency to, to feel like, wow, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about myself. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And and for you guys, like, the goals that you have and the people you want to become and even the people that you help, do you feel like the priorities that you have and the time like the way you spend your time, do you feel like there's a correlation there or a disconnect? Now you're just making us feel bad about ourselves. <laughs> no, I'm like, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I am the number no, one. No, that's a good question. That's a really good oh, question. Because, I mean, ideally, like our, our kind of own ethical compasses, for lack of a better term, ought to match our empirical actions. Right. Um, and, I mean, they probably often don't, even though they should. And I think it's just easy, like, just the human brain is really good at just forgetting stuff, you know, stuff that we've experienced. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, that was kind of one of the reasons why I asked, um, you know, what... What are you doing to, right. to continue yeah. with those changes? Because I, I feel like naturally as human... I, I believe that every single person is naturally good. Has, yeah. has natu- a natural desire to do good. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that fear is kind of what causes us to ignore those, those feelings, right? And... Um, or, or just the general tendency to, to forget and start thinking about ourselves and forget about the joy that comes through helping other people or forget the lessons that we've learned as we have had these incredible experiences where other people were involved. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's one of the biggest questions is, is how, how do we remember to do good? if that makes sense. How do we remember and and have the courage to act, especially in this stage of our life where it is, where it does seem so self-centered, you know, when, when I'm focused on school and work and, you know, dating or, or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Tanner, being in Africa, I follow you on Instagram. And your videos daily were just filled with these huge smiles. Mm-hmm. Like everyone around you was just incredibly happy. And I'm sure it wasn't like that 100% of the time. 
but everyone just seemed to be filled with so much joy. So when you were there, what did you see in the people that made them so happy and just have this goodness? Yeah. Well, that that sentiment that you just shared, um, that sort of wedding of, of happiness to poverty, like it's among the most perplexing of anthropological quandaries that, that, that people study today. Like, why are poor and marginalized folk happy? Like, what makes them happy? And something that I, that I think, just, just from observing and just kind of being a, an outsider in, a, in, this, in this place, um, is that it's because the people care about each other. And that's so basic and that sounds so, you know, so rudimentary, but people care about each other um, in a way that, that family members care about each other. I mean, there's this kind of, there's this um, proverbial African aphorism that says, like, it takes a, a village to raise a child. And that's absolutely true. Like, kind of the 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 parameters of of, of, of the nuclear family in, in Africa, they just kind of fade into like this elaborate and, and big flowy kinship. And everybody just kind of looks out for one another. One really touching thing that I saw when I was there is although they live in this this just ruthless poverty, there's like literally no homeless people there. And it's it was really touching. Like you don't see the beggars on the street. You don't see you know, you don't see homeless people, and that's because they're taken care of, you know? And that all the people are living in poverty, they still have the, the, the desire to, I don't know, just to, to share what they have with others. And I don't know, it was kind of a touching thing to, to think even though all these people are poor, they still, there's like solidarity among being poor and that's not to say that like the ideal world would be everybody living in poverty that's definitely not what I'm saying at all but it's just it was just interesting that they 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 were like the the structure of their society was so familial um rather than than kind of segregated as as individual um autonomous families do you think it goes back to that concept that everyone there is just so real and, and open that, you know, if I'm, you know, say I'm over there living amongst them and I can see that my next door neighbor is having family problems or that, you know, whatever it may be and I can relate to them on that personal level because it's something that I can see visually. And so I naturally, out of that, I, I've been there and I want to help them. Whereas right. here, we kind of mask up our problems and when I look at, you know, say I look at Brie and I think, oh, well, she's happy and smiling, so nothing must be wrong. All right. She's probably not as bad off as I am right, right. now. Right, yeah. But then I take a look and, I, oh, well, I'm portraying this happiness and I'm smiling as well. I, I don't know. Do you think yeah. that that plays a big part into it? Yes, I, I think that it does. Um, I think there's other factors as well. I think that's definitely one of the most salient Um you know, for example, like Guinea-Bissau, I mean, though it, it, it was colonized previously, um, it hasn't been 
kind of spoon-fed Western liberal ideals, and not liberal in the sense of the, like, the political party, but liberal in the sense of, like, the neoclassical. Uh, they haven't been kind of spoon-fed that, that very individualistic, westernized ideology, and, like, it's not my, my place to, to say, like, which country is better or worse or whatever, but, like, you know, because they've, they've, because, like, a, a lot of Africa, and definitely Africa is a continent, you can't confine it to, to one kind of system. But, I mean, a lot of Africa is less touched by the Western world than, than the rest of the world, and so they've just kind of maintained these, these, these kinships that they've, they've held in antiquity. Um, and, yeah, you can, you can definitely, like, it's definitely evident in the way that they live. Um, one of the, kind of the, there's a, there's a common word that, that I think it comes from somewhere in South Africa. It's Ubuntu. I think it's Zulu, but I'm not quite sure. Um, it might be Hosa. But it just means, um, Ubuntu means, it means compassion. And it means, it means that together we are. And, like, I don't know, there's this, because we want, we want to be able to have both ideals of being able to, to appreciate the, the virtues and the blessings of, of working together as a people, and then having kind of the blessings of also, you know, maintaining, you know, our, our kind of our, our private lives and, and all the great things about being individual. I don't know, but I think there can be like a very cohesive meshing of the two, and, and I definitely think that I saw that at least to a degree when I was, when I was over there. Just to end on something for us to think about, as well as everyone that's listening, if you guys could just sum up quickly what makes you the happiest, what would that be? Yeah, so I, I love everything that we've talked about because this has definitely been a topic, at least looking outward and, and looking to help other people and, and being more aware of those around me. It's been... It's been a topic that's been on my mind lately and that I've strived to really live live by over the past few weeks and months. And I've noticed that when I am more aware of those around me and I'm focused on trying to help them, then my problems seem a lot less, right? They're not as, as transparent to me. Um, and I've, I do feel a lot more confidence feel happier and I feel more peace in my life so I would say I would say looking outward for sure towards other people yeah. um, I, I would basically say the same thing um, like one of the most profound sentiments and it's good to keep in mind that this isn't explicitly Christian it's anthropologists have found this this statement to be in every single religion that's ever been studied on the earth and it's basically the golden rule do unto others as you would have them do unto you um i mean i think if if we we really have a conversation about about this sentiment if we if we really feel like it's a normative thing that we that we really want to accomplish as, as a society and as individual people, um, I think that that can just really be a guiding star. Um, you know, I, 
I think that that would help us solve all kinds of problems. Like, for example, today we have more s contemporary slaves on the earth than have ever been on the earth in, in, in all recorded time. It's, it's not as high as, of a percentage as has been in the past because our population's so big now, but we have something like 45.6, I think the last time I checked, a million, million slaves living on the earth, which is just like shocking to hear because like we don't, we don't hear like stuff like this every day. And so if there's kind of one, one bit of advice I could give is just, just read, read what's going on in the world. Read about the world. Um, think about things and, and just ask yourself, you know, how can I, how can I make this, this, this virtue of, of freedom that we all love so much, how can, how can I make that available to, to as many people as, as possible? And I think that once we ask that question, um, we, we can start thinking of like practically what, what we can do, if that makes sense. No, I love that. Yeah. And sadly, like these slaves are, they're here too. Yeah. They're, they're not. It's just not just the broad. Everywhere. Yeah. They're here. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible to think about that we are just so ignorant that we just, that optic nerve problem is just, we just don't see it. Yeah. And I think for me, at least what makes me the happiest is just feeling comfortable enough to be who I am. That's when I'm the happiest, when I'm being the most authentic and real. And I want that person to be the person that's serving. When my grandma passed away, we were all talking, and we were with family, and we realized the last time we had seen her, every single one of us, she was serving somebody. She was serving them. And that is incredible to me. And if I could do that, if I, left, I lived in my life, the way I want to, I want it to be that every person that I know, if I were to die tomorrow, they could say, she was serving me the last time I saw her. And she was making a difference last time I saw her. So, Tanner, thank you so much for coming on and honestly opening, opening our eyes and helping us to, to, to think of others and be better and, and just, just be aware. Thank you so much for, for your time, honestly. Uh, thanks for having me. We loved it. Thanks, Tanner. We just want to invite you all to look outward this week. Um, go on the website. What's that website called again? Um, Thelifeyoucansave.org. Perfect. We invite you all to go on that website this week and see what you can do in your own means to, to help someone else. We'll, we'll tune in next week. As always, thanks to Brayden, our audio specialist, and thank you for listening. It means a lot to have your support. Follow us on Instagram at a little help for my friends. And if you have any comments or would like to get in touch with Bree and I, email us at Yeah, and make sure to share this podcast with someone who needs a little help from a friend. Tune in for our next episode and we hope you have a good